Okay, with Thanksgiving now behind us, you know what time of the year it is now. It's the most wonderful time of the year. This is Truth to Ponder. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. With Bob Beerman. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Yep. Thanksgiving here in the United States is behind us. Many people have a big turkey stuffed in a refrigerator. Turkey soup and sandwiches to come for days on end. Maybe you had ham. Maybe you have something different in your tradition. But here in the United States, and I was thinking about this even last night as I was going to sleep and this morning as I got up to prepare this radio program, how things are the same and how things have changed over the past, let's say, 60 to 70 years. Black Friday is what they call it here in the United States, the day after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving always being that last Thursday of the month of November. It also brings us the beginning of the Christmas season. Black Friday, of course, as most people understand, it's when retail stores finally make their profit for the year in this last month. It's a make it or break it time in in the retail business. And so Black Friday, they're all the sales, all the bargains, all the hoopla. And, And my wife and I, choose not to participate in it at all. I I remember one time, maybe a few times in my life, way back, we're talking 25, 30, maybe 40 years ago. There were a few times that I got up early to go to some store to buy something I probably didn't need, but it was at a really good price. (laughs) And how many of us do that? Or how many of us did that? I finally got to the point that, you know, I don't I don't need to be standing in line at two o'clock in the morning outside of a Best Buy or a Walmart or whatever to buy a TV set that I may not need. I think we spent a lot of money on Christmas gifts. And the world does not even understand what this season is all about anymore. The reason for the season has been lost in the economics and the greed. And and I know that's always been true to a degree, even in my lifetime. I thoroughly understand that. But today we are in a so vastly different place where Christmas is no longer a family celebration. It's almost become very warped in the minds of many. It has been sexualized. It has been used in ways that I find demeaning, worldly, and vulgar. I remember, oh, years ago, having cable TV. We had the Hallmark Channel. It kind of comes with many cable or satellite packages. And the one thing you could generally count on years ago was the Hallmark Channel would have some Christmas specials that were basically decent. 
But over the years, they have become increasingly, I guess I'll use the term of the day, woke. They have dived into every nuance of a very sick society and celebrated on the Hallmark Channel. And so the Christmases that I remember from the past are long gone. Now, there's one other little sign of the season that is out there, if you hadn't noticed it. Anywhere you turn and you put on a radio that may be playing, you know, they call it holiday music. They dare not call it Christmas music. It's holiday music. You know, holiday, holiday music. And there is one song that will be played at least a thousand times between now and Christmas Eve. And so it begins this modern celebration of Christmas, which is always called now the holiday season, the holiday store, the holiday greetings, the holiday lights, the holiday tree. The holiday gifts. We are now in that time of the year. And really, in the retail business, if you didn't notice, I'm sure the same is true in Canada, United Kingdom, Australia. The entire holiday stuff has been out since like the end of October, sometime in October. I I watch the changes here in some of the retail stores that we occasionally have to frequent had to go to a home improvement store a couple of times and all of a sudden that area that used to have barbecue grills is full of nothing but christmas trees or i should say holiday trees i'm sorry you know we're supposed to say holiday now we we don't want to offend anybody can't use the word christmas anymore in many places it's just you can't say it Some stores forbid it. But today, this holiday season is all about our own self-gratification and getting things that we want. And we have lost sight of the meaning of, of Christmas. And between now and when Christmas comes, as we do the weekend edition of this radio program, We're going to talk a little bit about Christmas past and a season that has been long long lost called Advent. The season of Advent. The world doesn't want to know about Advent. Because see, to understand what Advent is all about means you have to realize that we are sinful beings in need of a Savior. And without the Savior, we have no hope. And the world doesn't want anything to do with a savior. Maybe a baby in Bethlehem born in a stable and the wise men and the the, the donkeys and, and all of the cuteness of that story. But leave it there. They don't want the adult Jesus, just the baby that is harmless to them laying in a manger. We have lost sight of Advent. And we have all the gala Christmas stuff out in the Walmarts and the Lowe's and the Home Depots and the Best Buys. I was looking at my email 
this morning. And now understand, because of doing this radio program, because of ministry and other things, I have several email accounts, one for each of the things that I'm involved with. Plus, I have a personal Gmail account. I call that my throwaway account. It's where anybody that needs to have an email address, and I know they're going to be sending me a lot of stuff, I give them the Gmail address. I don't use my Gmail address for anything important. It is my super junk mail box. Now, I do look at it because occasionally there's something that comes that I do have to look at. But knowing that Gmail reads your mail and sells you out, that's what they do, by the way. I I choose not to put anything important in a Gmail. That's why I use my truth to ponder email for this radio program. I have one for my church work and other things. I, I have specific email addresses for a purpose. And it keeps everything separated. And those and those emails are under my control on a server that I control. So I'm the only one reading it. I'm not I'm not allowing third parties to go through and try to figure out how to sell you something, which is what Gmail and Yahoo and all those do. They're free for a reason. You're giving up your information in that email. I'll talk about that maybe next week. Speaking of next week, I do have a few programs planned, some news items I've been collecting, and and I think it's going to be an informative week, and we're going to spend a few days next week getting into some of the news you need to understand and see. So this morning, I get up, And just like I noticed on Thanksgiving Day, I was getting a lot of emails and they were all about Black Friday, uh, shop online, come to the store now, see you early in the morning, all of it. And I spent part of my Thanksgiving just deleting them. Didn't even bother to read any of them. And this morning, I went through 92 emails that I deleted all about Black Friday savings and this weekend savings and cyber, whatever, all, you know, every bit of it. I just, I don't even read them anymore. This is not what the season should be all about. And yeah, granted, when I was younger, my my brother David and I used to look forward to this time of the year right after Thanksgiving at our grandparents' house as we looked through the Sears Wish Book. How many of you remember the Sears Wish Book? And we were allowed to go through that and circle things of interest, which help parents and grandparents decide what to get. Of course, we always got the uh, obligatory clothing, whether we wanted them or not. We always got something clothing-wise. But there were always some, you know, wonderful toys. And I guess when I look back, as I mentioned on the Thanksgiving broadcast, I had a very blessed childhood. We weren't wealthy, but, but we certainly never did without. And sometimes we don't appreciate the blessings that we have. And that's why I spent Thanksgiving Day, and I know that my Canadian audience, you celebrated your Thanksgiving back in October. 
But still, when you look at your life, especially if you have a life in the Lord, in spite of all the difficulties, when you really sit down and start to count your blessings, name them one by one, and count your many blessings, see what God has done. You know, I I look where I'm at right now. I'm very blessed. Still have a few challenges ahead of me, but I'm not worrying. I'm not concerned. I've got some great opportunity as well. So I want to spend time remembering that there is an Advent season. A time of preparation. A time of longing for the Savior. And we've lost sight of that. We just go from... And I'll say this too. We go from Thanksgiving here in the United States, the parade at Macy's and other locations around the country. And then, you know, Santa Claus arrives and everybody goes to bed early after a Thanksgiving dinner to go shopping first thing Friday morning and then Saturday and then Sunday. I can remember when... The day before Thanksgiving, the stores would close early so people could be at home with their family or travel. And department stores in cities like New York used to put up paper in the windows so you couldn't see inside the windows beginning on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And when the store closed early, a crew of people then reset the store to be, quote, a Christmas extravaganza. And you did not see that until after the parade was done. And that Friday morning, it all came off and you had this. Because, see, the stores were closed on Thanksgiving back then. Some tried to open. Some have decided not to. But we didn't have the stores open on Thanksgiving. The day after, yes. We didn't even have stores, for the most part, open on Sunday back when I was younger. Today, Sunday's become another day of golfing, another day of kids' sports, another day to to just take it easy, maybe watch a game of some kind on TV, maybe do some shopping. But it's no longer a day like it used to be where people went to church and meant it and believed it and lived it. The atheist will tell you that we are we have progressed away from these instincts of needing a God. It's all science these days. Yes, settled science. It's another another term that bothers me, and it should bother you immensely. Science is generally never settled. It's constantly questioning. Of course, today, you're no longer allowed to question science. You're no longer allowed to question narratives. Just go out on Black Friday and the weekend and start spending money for the holiday and try to feel better about yourself. Watch a Hallmark movie and and have a tear in your eye because this couple got their act together. Whether they're a gay couple or a straight couple, it doesn't matter to Hallmark anymore. And forget Advent. We don't do Advent anymore. We don't want to be 
mourning in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. We, we're waiting for Santa to appear. You know, the holiday Santa. We're waiting for that office cocktail party. We're waiting to exchange expensive gifts to feel like we've accomplished something this year. Where are you Christmas? Where are you Advent? And like I say, we're going to spend some time as we head toward this, I believe, holy time of the year. Now, as a little side note here, I've mentioned the online streaming service that I've put together with a couple of music channels. I I don't know how many music channels I'll end up with. I know that I'm beginning to try to also develop a talk and teaching channel. But on one of the streaming channels, I may not be able to do the second one. I don't have the time to put it together this year. But on one of the two streaming channels, there is the beginning of a lot of Advent and pre-Christmas music already playing. And as we get closer to Christmas, you'll hear more of the, quote, sounds of this holy season on that streaming service. And you can find out what I'm doing there. It's free, by the way. Just go to just go to ancientwordradio.com, ancientwordradio.com. And the channel called Him Classics. Him Classics. Beginning this weekend, we'll start featuring by Sunday music of this season and increasingly so with each passing week as we get closer to Christmas. You know, something else about Christmas that the world doesn't want to understand and the traditions that are biblically based traditions, not traditions of men. One of the songs you're going to hear on the radio a lot and a lot of people have fun with it. It's called The 12 Days of Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. We, we know it quite well because it gets played every year. And what are the 12 days of Christmas? A lot of people today don't even know what it means. They think it's the 12 days before Christmas. It isn't. The first day of Christmas is actually Christmas Day. Not some... Not December the 23rd or something, or the 13th. No, it's the 12 days beginning on Christmas Day and conclude and run through January the 6th. People hundreds of years ago didn't bring in the Christmas tree to their house until Christmas Eve. Because they're still in the Advent season. We haven't finished this time of preparation, this time in lowly exile here. Mourning, waiting, realizing the need of a Savior. We're not in celebration mode for four weeks. We're in preparation mode for those four weeks. And so the 12 days begin on Christmas Day and end on what is called the Feast of the Epiphany, 
where Jesus reveals himself to the Gentiles that he is the Son of God, he is the Messiah, and he is the hope of the world. So like I say, on these weekend programs as we approach Christmas, I want to spend a little time in focusing on what the season is truly about. I have fond memories going back 50 and 60 years ago as a young child, as a person just starting out in in my career, even, you know, like 47 years ago, newlywed, first Christmas. I have memories of all of that. And, and I've watched how we've taken this holy time of the year and we've vulgarized it. And it troubles me. During this time of the year, as, as, a young, as a youngster, there were extra choir practices getting ready for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services. And you know, one of the most in, well-attended services growing up was always Christmas Eve and or Christmas Day. In our family, we did both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and the building was packed. Multiple services to accommodate the number of people that showed up. And today, many a church, they don't even bother with a Christmas Day service anymore because it's just too much trouble. We just did Christmas Eve. And truthfully, many churches have shrunk and aged out where the number of people that show up on Christmas Eve is dwindling as many older people do not like to drive at night, at least to go to church. And then many churches, because the few younger families they have are too busy gathered around the tree and playing with their toys, don't want to come to church on Christmas Day. We have lost the true meaning of this season. And after we take our break, I want to share some some memories and some thoughts about how we can reclaim what should be with this time of the year. I want to give you a message of hope as we approach this most holy time of the year. Now, a thank you to all of you that support this radio program. We still need to hear from more. I want to keep this thing not just going, but growing on shortwave radio. And it's going to take, well, it's going to take some extra finances. Would you consider helping us out? I'm seeing a few people that are now beginning to support this program I've never heard of before. And I want to thank you immensely for your support. If you believe in this ministry, would you make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? Yeah, I know, that's the same name as my streaming service. You're not supporting that when you mail a check. I know that those are to support radio airtime. The streaming has its own method of support that I'm aware that takes care of itself. If you make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio, 
and mail it to Post Office Box 510. That's P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowee. Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code is 24319. Once again, truth to ponder. Post Office Box 510. Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Virginia. Zip code is 24319. And make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. And we will be back right after this. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. How to gain Messiah. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. You're receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now in Philippians 3, it's an amazing thing that Paul says. He says this phrase. He says that I might gain Messiah. Now, that's an amazing statement because it's coming from Paul. Now, if anybody had Messiah, it was Paul. I mean, he had him for years and years and years. He was the, the chief teacher of us, of grace, uh, of the New Testament. And yet he says that I might gain Messiah. Well, how can you gain Messiah unless you don't have Messiah? How can you gain what you already have? If you have Messiah, how can you gain him? And if you're gaining him, how could you have had him? Paul had Messiah, yet he says I might that I might gain Messiah. I want to gain Messiah. It's amazing stuff because that's the word. It would seem like it's someone who's not saved to say that. Yet Paul is certainly saved. What does it mean? We have to have that attitude. The attitude goes along with I press on or that I might know. It's the attitude of one who is yet to know, who is yet to gain, who there's much more to go. A whole There's a whole Messiah to gain. Paul's saying there's so much more. There's more in him than even I know. There's more to know than I know. There's more to have than I have. No matter how much you have, because if anybody had, it was Paul. But he says, I don't even have the half of it. I might gain a whole Messiah. (laughs) There's so much more. There's no end. Messiah is infinite. There's so much more good news. There's more joy. There's more blessing. There's more revelation. There's more, there's more victory. There's more peace. There's more intimacy. There's more wonders. So if Paul could say it, you too, that I might gain Messiah, gain Messiah. There's a whole more Messiah for you to gain. Now, imagine being plugged into a special line legend on future events, news behind the news, biblical prophecy updates on Israel, what you need to know as an end-time believer, plus teachings and strength for every day of your week. And the incredible mystery of the temple doors on CD, all free, yours free. How do you get it? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. So just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 for your free gifts. You will be blessed, but call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to join me in reaching the unreached peoples of the world in the most incredible way from Moscow to Madagascar, even Jerusalem. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed. It's like blanketing the earth through shortwave radio. It's the farthest way you can ever impact the world for the Lord. It's amazing. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. Or write me direct at the nice Jewish boy, box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's the nice Jewish boy. It's box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend. Press on in Messiah. Roech HaTov the good and wonderful shepherd. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of Truth to Ponder, the weekend edition, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. 
in in just a few minutes, I'm going to share something with you that goes back about five years. Five years this weekend, a matter of fact. And it's something that I really believe will encourage you in your hearts and your minds and in your walk in these very unusual and difficult times. Now, I said this weekend marks the first Sunday in Advent. These four Sundays prior to Christmas as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive Jesus. And there's a prayer that is often used at that time in many churches, and it goes like this. Almighty God, give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life in which thy son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility. That in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost now and ever. Amen. And during these four weekends, these four Sundays before before Christmas, we focus on the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. We also focus on his second coming. See, he came once to die for our sins, and then he comes again in glory. Right now, we are in another advent. We are in the advent of his second coming. The world refuses to see him. The world refused Jesus of 2,000 years ago. And many in the world still refuse Jesus Christ to this day. There's no doubt in my mind, as I was sharing in the first part of the program, we live in a very different time than we lived in a half century ago. We are meaner, we are angrier, we are less filtered, we curse more, we're more violent in this nation than I've ever imagined it possible to be. We are getting closer and closer to his return. Now, there are times that you want to just prepare and be ready for when all of this just unravels suddenly. How do you take care of yourself? How do you prepare for such a time as I believe we're coming into right now? Five years ago, I had the opportunity of sharing a message on the first Sunday in Advent at a church in the state of Georgia. And I ran across this message a while back, and I I just kind of put it aside for today to share with you. And this message is really about how do we prepare? Now, remember, this is pre-pandemic. This is pre a lot of the stuff we're seeing today, where our world is in such turmoil and change. And so I shared this message of preparation And how do you find that balance between being prepared like the wise virgins and still doing the work that we are called to do 
as members of his church, the living body of Christ on this earth. So I take you back to a message five years ago this weekend. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time, as we learn and study from your word, today I pray that you give us hope, that you give us an understanding of what hope truly is. May our eyes be open to see, our ears be open to hear, and our hearts be open to receive. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. I'm not going to name the place, because as many of you know, this message ends up on radio, heard in a lot of places around the world. In fact, it is heard on some facilities that Oh, several other ministries have been known to be on from time to time. And, and without naming it, I once worked for a ministry that did a lot of end time stuff. A matter of fact, the great opening to their radio program at the time had this specially written music that was all in a minor key. You know, it's kind of the apocalyptic sound. And you had this deep voice reading from this passage in the book of Mark, you know, and I, and I love it. The sun will be darkened and the moon will cease to give us light. You should have heard the voice. It was really deep and creepy. And the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And it's all about this guy, his ministry. He was the end time reporter counting down until the coming of Jesus Christ. And I, I worked for him for a little over a year. And I started having my doubts after the first six months. And by right about a year, I'd had about enough. I was hired to actually develop some radio stations for him primarily. But for a period of time, I actually had to produce his radio program. That was an eye-opener. He was one of those type that would... Be very cautious in not being the one to tell you when Jesus was coming. But he had plenty of guests that he could bring on to do that work to scare the bejesus out of you. And also the money out of your wallet in the process. He had this one gal on. I won't mention her name either. And this goes back to 2015. We had her on, I think, in late May, early June. And she is some self-proclaimed prophetess, originally from Chicago, now living in Charlotte, North Carolina, has a great following of thousands. And she's on there saying that the Lord had given her a vision and a dream that we had until the end of August to prepare or it would be everlastingly too late. This is August of 2015, September 1st, too late. We never could prepare because, you know, the tribulation is coming. It's going to be terrible. We can't prep anymore. Now, she has since revised all of that theology and predictions and visions. This guy claimed to have an insight with the Holy Spirit himself, that the Holy Spirit talked to him, yeah, every day. And that's why they were going to leave the country, stay in the country, buy this building, sell that building, let's rent this one. They were all over the road in the course of one year. The Holy Spirit is consistent and never changes. 
And when you deal with a lot of these end time ministries, they, some have validity. And there's nothing wrong with studying end time things. The fancy word that we learn in seminary is eschatology, the study of end times. And I think we as Christians don't spend enough time legitimately studying what Jesus is trying to tell us about the end times. And part of our theme work this year as we go through Advent will be a little bit of a discussion about the end times because, see, there is a parallel between Jesus' first coming, a promise, and his second coming, also a promise. He came first to redeem us, then he comes to bring us unto himself. Pretty simple process. But there's so much misunderstanding about end time prophecy. Yet there are some things that are so perfectly clear, I don't understand how so many of these ministries are still even in business or dare get on a TV or a radio or internet or Facebook feed or YouTube feed or their own feed, whatever the case may be, to make some of the claims that they have. I have marveled in my Christian walk. Now, I'm going to tell you that I was raised as a child, a Lutheran, and as I grew older and got into college, I kind of left the Lutheran church for a long time, and I found myself in all kinds of charismatic and word-oriented fellowships all over. I mean, I was all over the map. But I, was, I had a thirst to learn more about the things of God. And I learned a lot of good and also saw a lot of things that didn't pan out during that, that period of time in my life. You know, the great book that came out when I was in college, everybody had to have a copy. Young author, still famous, Hal Lindsey, The Late Great Planet Earth. How many ever heard of that book? Yeah, a lot of people have. I remember reading it, and I realized that we don't have much time, maybe 15 years when I read the book, until 1988 when Jesus was coming again, because how is he said so? He's coming in 1988, no doubt about it. And why is he coming in 1988? Because how Lindsay said that a generation is 40 years, and the generation that sees Israel become a nation will see the return of Jesus. So he's coming in 1988, friends, get ready. I remember working for a Bible college in the 1980s after I had left working in the broadcast engineering industry for a long time and took some time to develop a radio ministry, there was this guy that had a book out also called The 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming in 1988. And boy, he's a former NASA research scientist, so he had to be correct in what he said. He's a scientist. He knows. And he was doing the lecture tour all over he was at churches, out of, from Baptist churches to Pentecostal to Christian and Missionary Alliance, wherever he could get booked in. He was out there with his box of books and cassette tapes. This is before CDs and DVDs. And he's out there promoting his ministry in 1986 and 1987. And when November of 1988 came and gone, he had a second release of his book called 
the 89 reasons Jesus will come in 1989 and why I missed it because I missed a little something in there. And then after 1990, he was never heard from again. Harold Camping, God love him, if anybody ever heard of that man. Back in the 1950s, he developed one of the largest, over time, Christian radio ministries in the United States. And God's hand of blessing to put him in markets like Oakland, California, Los Angeles, New York, big markets, big stations, international shortwave covering the entire planet out of Okeechobee, Florida, a mega million dollar facility. And prior to coming here to this church, I spent two days a week as their consulting engineer on all that equipment to keep it running. And so to watch that ministry, twice in his ministry, he predicted when Jesus will come. First time he didn't make a big noise about it, kind of indicated it kind of came and went and nobody noticed. The last time was in 2012. And he was convinced that he had the day and the hour completely predicted, May the 22nd, 2012, Jesus will come again. And they spent millions and millions of dollars of the ministry's money on billboards coast to coast. My wife says she remembers driving and seeing the billboard. Jesus is coming, May the 22nd, 2012. The Bible says it, count on it. What year is it? It's five years ago now. His whole ministry collapsed and crumbled. And it ended up in the hands of somebody else. That's who I worked for because it was his facility that I was doing this work for these last couple of years. And to look at what they had and what they lost because they violated rule number one of eschatology. Don't make any predictions. Ever. Never. Because you are guaranteed to be wrong. If I tell you, and I'm emphatic and believe that Jesus is coming today at noon, I will be wrong. I'll be wrong. The Bible says that no man knows the day or the hour of my coming. And guess what? The, the children of Israel never knew when he was first coming. And they're still expecting him today because they didn't accept his first coming because he wasn't the Messiah they hoped for or the one that they thought they were going to get. Fascinating. They never knew when he was coming the first time. And they will not know when he's coming the second time. You know, John the Baptist, and we're going to be hearing about him, oh, in the not-too-distant future again. John the Baptist was the forerunner to Jesus Christ. And there's an account in the Scripture that always, I can envision this in my mind, when Mary meets the mother of John the Baptist and the two children are in the womb, and and John the Baptist leaps for joy in the womb in the presence of Jesus Christ, the one that he is the forerunner. John the Baptist never understood, I don't think, what his ministry was. He just knew that something in him said, this is what I'm destined to do, and there's a reason that I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm content in that reason to do all that I do, and I do it willingly. He was not robotic. He just answered a call from birth and knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was to proclaim 
Make ye straight the way of the Lord, repent and be saved. That was the message of the first coming, to repent and be saved, which gives us hope. Today's candle, hope. We have hope because he came to redeem his own, and we have hope that he is coming again. You don't need any of the ministries on radio and television to tell you what day or the hour, when he's coming, how he's coming, how bad it's going to be. Will there be a tribulation? Will be will we be raptured, not raptured, go through it, mid-tribbers? We can sit there and argue this all day long. I like what Vance Havner once said. He was a Baptist minister that I got to meet one time. And in his later years, he had been one of those definite pre-mill tribulation, you know, we're going to be raptured kind of guys. And he finally got to a point in life when asked the question, he finally decided that I'm a pan-millennialist is what he called himself. And somebody said, what do you mean by that? Is that like a pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, all millennial? What does it mean? He said, no, it's just all going to pan out in the end. (laughs) I finally gave up. He said, the more I study it, the less I understand about this. We don't need to know. We need to trust and have hope. I've said this a number of times in my ministry. We have those, we have two schools of thought in the United States today about the end times. And I want to use this as my clothes and tie it together. On one hand, you've got those that are what I call the tree, the pre-tribulation rapture group. Alfred E. Newman, remember him? What me worry? worry. (laughs) Nothing good, you know, hey, doesn't matter to me when it gets bad. I'm out of here. Not a thing to worry about. Then on the other hand, we're going to go through the whole tribulation. Because it does say it in Revelation, who are those beneath the altar in the robes of white? They're the ones that went through the tribulation. Okay. So, we better stock up on guns and ammunition and beer and anything else we can get our hands on and, and fuel for the next 25 years. And you got people in ministries more than happy to sell you 25-year shelf life pre-packaged food for five times what it really is worth to keep their ministry going. And solar-powered generators that barely could charge a cell phone, which won't work anyway when the Great Tribulation comes. So I don't know why they're selling you phone chargers that work on sunlight. The two extremes. We've got to hunker down. Get through it. You know, get our camel on. Be ready. The other side, nothing to worry about. We're out of here. Somewhere between the two is the truth. There's the truth. If we believe in the promises of Jesus Christ, there is no fear of the great tribulation, whether we're taken out or go through it. It doesn't make any difference. Because he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. So why are we getting all bent out of shape about something to which we have no control, to which he says he does have the control, and he will take us and carry us through? If we can't count on him to get us through whatever this end time is, whenever it comes, then how do we trust him to give us hope for our salvation? Are you following what I'm saying here? Today's message is hope. We are given absolute and unshakable hope in Jesus Christ. Period. 
We don't have to fret and worry about whatever the future will be. We don't even have to worry about when he's coming. Just be ready. The only thing Jesus says is, you know, you can kind of get an idea that I'm getting closer as you see things happening. May not be today, may not be tomorrow, may not be end of the century. But the signs of his coming have been appearing since the day he left. And every day, every minute draws closer. And if any of us are in panic mode, then we have a relationship problem. And we have a complete misunderstanding of the hope that Jesus Christ gives us. One of the things I love about my ministry is sharing the communion table with you. That we can be ushered into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The anamatesis to bring into the present those things of the past as we fellowship with all the saints from before and yet to come with our Lord Jesus Christ present with us is truly a unique opportunity. Heavenly Father, teach us not to fret about the future. You have promised in your word there's nothing we can do about the past. We only have today the present. Today has enough to deal with for us to even worry about tomorrow. Lord, teach us to plan but not to obsess. Teach us to be ready but not to be in panic. Teach us to be working in your vineyard when you come. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Years of time have come in since I first heard it told How Jesus one would come back again Someday And if by then it seems so real That I just can't help but feel how much closer His coming is today There's war and strife On every hand So much violence Fills the land And still some people doubt That He will ever come again But the word of God is true He will redeem His chosen few So don't lose hope Soon Jesus will
times even we as Christians lose sight of the fact that Jesus is coming again to look up your redemption does draweth nigh we act like his coming is so far in the future it'll never impact me you know the early church believed that Jesus could very well return in their lifetime And I look at the world over these centuries and there are many times where this world has just gone totally insane. Craziness has set in. I really believe demonic influence runs rampant at times. And we're coming in a season of that, I really believe, again. Could Jesus be coming in our lifetime? The signs are there increasingly so year after year we're not getting better we're not getting more moral we're not becoming more christian as a nation we are going in the exact opposite direction our churches age out young people the churches they want to go to is for entertainment to feel good about themselves and get a pep talk There's no more talk about sin. There's no more talk about the need of a savior. There's no more talk about redemption. We just want to celebrate and feel good about who we are. And you wonder why I feel this powerful need to help plant churches. They may be small churches. They may never be big, but they're going to be faithful. They're going to be doing the work of the kingdom. They're going to be obedient. They're going to be faithful. What is your relationship like today with Jesus Christ? Is it a settled relationship or are you just having, well, I hope if I'm good enough relationship that maybe I can get into heaven when I die. That's not a good enough relationship because there's nothing you can do of your own merits to earn your salvation. It is, number one, a free gift of God. Please understand that. You cannot earn it. You cannot be a good person to get it. It doesn't work that way. Never has and never will. That's a heresy that is out there as a false doctrine. We need to be proactive in our faith. We need to live it. We need to trust. We need to pray. We need to be in God's word. One of the things that I look at with this radio program and all the ministries in which I'm involved, it's to point you to a savior. Look, Monday will come and I will do a radio program. We'll cover the news and the stories and the things that are the lies that are being perpetuated in our society. We'll talk about it. We can't change it, but we can be prepared for it. 
And if you're looking for encouragement, I invite you to visit the website where I have my first two music streams up, ancientwordradio.com, ancientwordradio.com. Now, as we come to this new month of December, this coming week, I really need to hear from you to stay on shortwave radio. And if you would be so kind, would you consider making a gift to this ministry? You can write the check, pay, make it payable to Ancient Word Radio, and everything you send is for shortwave, just so you know. The mailing address is Post Office Box 510. That's Post Office Box 510. And our city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowee is 24319. That's 24319. You can also support us from the website, which is truth, the number two ponder.com. Keep looking up. The Messiah will return and we'll see you next week. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.